This is the Valarian Perspective. We explore working, leading, and finding value in an uncertain world. This is Benjamin Carsage. I'm Aaron Smith. Let's get rolling. Welcome back to the Valarian Perspective. Today, we're going to be talking about something that's close to both Ben and my hearts, uh, which is feedback. And we're going to talk a little bit about what that means because I use that term all the time and I'm actually still pretty consistently surprised that most people don't actually know what I'm talking about. Um, And I think that part of that speaks to how fortunate I've been in the background and leadership that I have and the people who taught me this stuff um, that I was exposed to. But um, also there's a lot of opportunity, I think, for us to grow in this space. So getting into it, feedback, what does it mean? Yeah. Oh boy. Um, when we're talking about that, it's funny, you were just mentioning earlier, like a lot of people think about art feedback or product feedback and things like that. When we're talking about feedback, most often it's, hey, you have behaved in such a way as you've interacted with me or your team or project. And I've observed something that I think you could be doing better. Um, or maybe it's a blind spot, maybe there's an opportunity, maybe it's something that's actually, I think, is hurting your ability to be successful. Sometimes it may even relate to your relationship with me, and I'm like, hey, the way you've related to me has made it hard for me to do blah or whatever. Um, and so when I think of feedback, I think of these, these a lot of times interpersonal, um, but it's, it's feedback um, with the intention of giving someone insight into how they're being perceived and how that's relating to their work and other people. Yeah, the big difference I see between what you just said, uh, the way we mean feedback, essentially, and how it's often, uh, the word is often interpreted, particularly in creative fields, is that the feedback we're talking about today is about the person, Mm -hmm. is about the individual, as opposed to about the work. It's not to say, you know, review-esque feedback about the work isn't valuable or isn't something we want to focus on, but that's not what we're covering today. What we're talking about is, you know, there was a time when I was a struggling mid-level leader trying to figure out how I was going to become a senior leader. And someone very candidly sat me down and said that um, I sucked all the air out of the room. Mm Mm-hmm. That was a piece of feedback I got. And that got me thinking a lot about how I showed up in those meetings. And I tied it in with some other feedback I got, interestingly, which was actually about the way I was dressing, which kind of surprised me at the time. Um, You know, here I was a naive, you know, whatever, 28-year-old coming into uh, work with my tennis shirts and my you know, board shorts or whatever, gross tennis shoes, whatever I was wearing. And uh, someone said, hey, you know, I think the way that you're dressing is actually creating a perception around who you are and your level of maturity or how seriously you take yourself or whatever. You may want to take a look at that. Here's some tips. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, they'd all kind of fit into this basket of uh, what is what did it mean to to convey myself as a senior leader. Mm -hmm. And uh, interestingly enough, I do not feel that 
the changes I made there over the next year or two were unrelated to my ability to, to, to break through that glass ceiling that I felt that I had at the time. So this was very personal, right? Like somebody coming to you and saying, hey, I think the way you dress is actually holding you back at work. Um, Such an interesting thing, right? Because we don't want that to be true. Yeah. But I look back now and I'm, I'm so deeply thankful for the people that went out on that limb to tell me that. Mm-hmm. You know, they didn't have to. Um, and so we're going to talk today about how to build that into your organization if it's something you want. But you might be hearing that and be just like, well, what is the importance of that? Like, why, why do we need that? Like, it might sound like a witticism. It might sound self-explanatory, but we want to actually, we don't want to take that for granted. So we bring in some assumptions about the role that feedback plays in an organization. And we want to cover that really quick before we start going to the problems we see. So the first chunk of this is going to be about what are those assumptions? Like when it comes to feedback, we feel it's valuable. Why is that the case? What is the connection between that and the and the work that we do? Like why can't we just all do our jobs and not get personal? Right, not, not confront each other about this stuff. Yeah. Or why don't we just only focus on the work, you know? Right. So, so what do you think, Ben? Like when we're talking about the assumptions we bring in or what we've learned that we're bringing into this conversation, what is that? Okay. So an assumption I would make, if you're interested in feedback, the way we're describing it as a company, it means you're interested in more than the short term. Um, I would assume that there's a long-term lens you're taking uh, to the people that you've hired and how they relate to the future success of your company. Hmm. Um, And the idea actually being that you want them to get better over time. And if it is possible for your people to share with each other different perspectives about what in their their individual, the ways that they show up at work, um, what's working and what's not, then over time they will improve. And that improvement is worth you know, it sort of has this like compounding interest over time type effect to it, uh, to the value that that person is able to provide to your organization. So, so one, that's one assumption I make. You're thinking middle that. to long term as love an organization that. if you're orienting towards. There's feedback. a trajectory. It's a tr- it's a it's a graph, uh, a line on a graph. It's not just a point in space. Yes, because if you're short term, yeah. they're like, if you're only thinking about the next two weeks, personal feedback may not be particularly helpful at all. Um, unless if there's some egregious issue going on, like really, it's just like, no, focus on the work. Like we've got two weeks, get it done. Uh, Yeah. I love that. I I think another assumption we bring in, and again, we're calling these things assumptions to be frank. I think these are things that are principles for us Mm -hmm. in the work that we do now, but, uh, we're calling them assumptions, uh, so that if you hear some of this stuff and you're like, that doesn't apply to me, that's great. And some of this may not make sense in your context. But another assumption we make is that the level of effectiveness with with which your people can work together, like the efficacy of that, like how effectively do they work as a team or how effectively do they quote unquote get along, that that has a direct and material connection to the output Mm. of your organization. Mm -hmm. I think that there's been many 
situations in the past, you know, we go back to factory work and things like this, where like you can debate whether or not that people really sort of having deep trust and connection materially helped the output. It's like, no, man, you screw on a bolt. Just focus on your workstation and screw on a bolt. You know, I don't mean to be reductionist, but I guess what I'm saying is that was more, that is more debatable in an environment like that. We're assuming that you work in an environment, like for example, a creative space where if your people, the humans involved can highly effectively collaborate, that that has a meaningful impact on your ability to deliver great products. Mm-hmm. And so that's another assumption too. Yeah. And then I, I would say a third is that learning is perceived as useful, uh, not just about products, but about the organization itself and for an individual about themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, that that there's, there's this, you know, we would call a growth mindset taken. Um, we don't already know exactly what we're trying to do all the time. Right. We, we have, there's some, there's some presumption that we have to learn our way to that. Well, and there's a, there's also, I think maybe tied to that is the idea that I can do better next week, next month, next year than I am doing today at this job. And so rapid and lossless communication between parties of is, all types accelerates our journey. Yes. Getting new perspective because I, I see, a, I might see some ways in which I could do better, but the people working with me probably see even more ways in which I could do better, or at least have opinions about that. Um, and that idea that, you know, I value learning so that I can become more effective over time. Um, and this, again, that ties into that long-term view, right? Like in a short-term world, I don't care about this. It's in the long-term world, but that then I have to also recognize that I can change, that learning precipitates a different self. And so personal feedback is useful in that lens. And I, I, I'm really appreciating these so far. You know, it's something that just popped up for me and I'm curious what you think. This one, it doesn't feel as well-formed, but it feels important. And that is the idea that there's some kind of shared accountability over culture. That's, that's related here too. Mm, so yeah. it's like kind of like a, if, if you see something, say something kind of element to it and not to be melodramatic, but Hey, we all have shown up with the intention of abiding by these principles. Like we value these things as an organization. This is, this is the kind of company we want to be. Mm-hmm. This is the kind of people we want to be. Mm-hmm. And in order for that to be successful and for that to propagate effectively, we have to create shared accountability every day in all interactions around those behaviors that we want to see. Yes. And so f- feedback is critical to that. Like if I'm too afraid to say something or I feel like it's not my place to say something, but I know how we're supposed to be behaving and you maybe don't, maybe by no fault of your own, just, you know, learning. Right. And I don't say something, we've now missed out an opportunity for that to recalibrate mm-hmm. in the way it needs to calibrate. So I think that another, and again, this one's more of like kind of an optional thing, but if you work in a place or your company deeply desires to have a unified culture and a set of behaviors that are that you feel are effective, mm-hmm. then having everyone sort of constantly calibrating around that all the time is a valuable thing, 
then feedback is a phenomenal way to do that. Because as I think back on some of our previous experiences, a lot of the feedback that was given and received was around, hey, remember, this is the kind of company we want to be. So we we want to behave like this. Yes. This is how we this is how we behave here. Um, yeah. Yeah. So cool. So uh, let's see. Uh, uh, let's uh, test our short me- term memories here and see if we can remember. All f- I remember there were four of those. Yep. So the last one was calibrating culturally. Like what kind of behaviors do we want to have here and uh, allowing everyone to be a mechanism for for propagating that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the third one was growth orientation mm-hmm. and sort of assuming uh, a necessity for growth in everyone and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and the second one was seeing a connection between human connection and your team's ability to collaborate and the results of your product, like a direct line between those two things. And then the first one was sort of being strategic by nature, looking at the long game, seeing mid to long term and hoping for a sort of up into the right chart as opposed to just focusing on where we are as a dot in space today. Yeah. Cool. So let's let's take a look. Um, We've defined it now. There are some assumptions, problems. What's popped up in the world? Like, why do you think more organizations don't engage with this. And I say that because when I look at those assumptions, I think a lot of companies would be like, yeah, we want that. Yeah. Like, I, I can agree with those assumptions. We share those principles, as you said earlier. So what mm-hmm. what gets in the way of there being a healthy feedback culture? What are the problems that emerge? Well, you know, very similar to when when people ask us the question when we talk about fixed or growth mindset in our training, and they're like, well, what's the best way to help people get out of fix. And we're like, well, let them know that growth is a thing, that it actually exists. Right. It feels like there's something like that going on here too. The most of the time I talk about feedback outside of organizations that already hyper-focus on this, most people give me a blank stare or they assume I mean something different than what I'm right. talking yep. about. Yep. And so, you know, let's go to the extreme side. It's funny, as we're talking about this, I thought about Bridgewater. <clears throat> Uh, Ray Dalio's organization. Mm -hmm. And um, they have like, he's like a radical transparency guy. Yeah. And like what they like to the point where like some people have sort of implied or accused them of being abusive in some of their transparency practices, like every single meeting room has a recorder in it or something like that. Yeah. I, there's some of this might be hyperbole or legend, but um, my understanding is that that's something they do. Like they record all meetings basically to be, you know, so there's, there's not really like wi- dark whispering and water cooler corners and stuff or, or private meetings that are for the privileged few or whatever. Right. There's even been some stories where like high level leaders or executives have got into pretty heated exchanges in public forums and people kind of look like the media often reports on these things like as a as a bit of melodrama or as like a, a, yeah. a like a, a, a kind of a, a stinky reality show kind of moment or something like that and ray has often responded with like no you don't understand that's part of our process and it's not it's not like what they're making it like um so i guess you know going back to the original point maybe one of the problems is is that I think there's. it's probably the case that more organizations need to think about this and need to figure this out than actually realize yeah. that that's the case. Like this is currently in the realm of the more 
like dare we say cult-like organizations or organizations that are on the fringes or that have wacky leaders with wacky ideas about how to do things Mm -hmm. um, where you see this actually being prevalent. Yeah. And I think for me, that all speaks to the human, like we don't like to be uncomfortable and feedback, personal feedback, especially uh, can be very uncomfortable. And Why do you want to make me feel uncomfortable, Ben? Exactly. I thought we were work partners. You Why know, would you and, want to do that to me? <laughs> and um, that discomfort comes from, you know, conflict aversion or worried about like what might happen to me if somebody found out I gave this feedback or, or whatever, right? Will this person retaliate? Will they not be <laughs> someone it's easy to work with anymore, right? And going all the way back to... A, you know, when you're children, it's like, will they not be my friend anymore? Um, and and sort of that sort of threat kind of hanging that if we upset people, then they they may stop relating to us. Mm-hmm. Or it may be harder to relate to them, or they may hold a grudge. And all that's going to make my life more difficult day to day. And so there's there's a there's a pain avoidance element there that you're talking about. And I think there's actually also a, and we've seen this with some of our clients in the work we've done with companies, desire for harmony. Yes, a good like, desire. And, and yeah, a, go, a good healthy desire. Uh, but like that that becomes so high up the priority list that we make a lot of trade-offs yes. in this department. Yes. Like harmony is, and I think interestingly enough, it's not, often clear what the value is of that harmony other than that it feels good well for me you know the thing that came to mind immediately was when harmony is in service of truth it's good it can be good Mm -hmm. you know okay here's we we are trying to make sure we understand what truth is we're trying to share a picture of reality let's say maybe that's a simpler less loaded way to say it we're trying to share a picture of of reality and when we do, we can have harmony around what that picture of reality is. When harmony takes precedence over a shared picture of reality, in other words, where it's more important that you and I are not disagreeing than it is that we actually get to talk about what's real and what's not, um, or share perspective, or potentially offend each other by having different angles. Now you have truth in service to harmony rather than harmony in service to truth. Yeah. And and you you basically like inverted your values in some way and and over time you corrupt what what's true. I want to double down on that because I hear that and it's I can put my cynical hat on and be like harmony truth Ben like what are you talking about? But like actually this really matters. Like I hear you say this and I'm like, this really, really matters because again, when we go, we're talking a lot about this back to our assumptions in the context of a knowledge work space, right? Mm -hmm. Like we have to create the thing that doesn't exist or we have to apply human ingenuity to a problem to create an innovative solution to solve it, right? So truth is unknown. So like what like when we're saying truth, we don't mean like in the religious sense or in the like no. philosophical sense. Because it's we're a shared about, view of reality. Exactly. A shared view of reality that is shared with our customers, most importantly. Right. And actually 
one of the primary things about feedback is like, again, if it's within the context of service to the customer as a cultural tenant, it becomes super valuable because again, it calibrates us constantly towards well, that. If we lose connection with truth or, or we fool ourselves into believing that we know the truth, even when we don't, that it's not a journey to get there. I think we're actually missing one of the core elements of an empirical process. And again, empirical within the context of knowledge work and all this stuff, right? Yeah. Now, I, I want to actually be really like, give an example because, you know, we're talking, okay, truth, yeah. harmony, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Like, hey, there's someone at a company and everybody in the company knows that that person's really hard to work with. Do you know who doesn't know? That person. There's different views of reality. There's different truths, right? There's different perceptions of reality that are present here. And sometimes when you're the person, and I think you and I have both been the person, who has to go tell that person, hey, you're really hard to work with, often the response is like, what? I didn't know that. Sometimes it's like, well, I know, and I'm grouchy, and that's part of my shtick or whatever. Like, okay, mm -hmm. that's a different problem. But sometimes it's literally, I did not know I was hard to work with. Yes, you're hard to work with. Um, yes, it's hard to say things I know you're going to disagree with when you're in the room because you'll get offended and attack me. Um, the, and these things, when you tell someone that, it's uncomfortable. Yeah. It's awkward. And especially if that's been there for a long time and everybody else knows it except that person, it's actually really hurt their ability to add value and everybody else's ability to work with that person. And when feedback is healthy, you don't get to that point. Mm -hmm. When we prioritize sharing a picture of reality, when I start realizing you're really hard to work with and I start like, wait, I think a couple people, I'm noticing that you seem to have problems with a few people and you don't seem to notice it. I'm going to risk telling you it from my experience, hey, you're hard to work with and here's why. And again, you, you know, that's not the best way to frame it maybe or whatever, but I'm going to try that and it's possible. And I've had this happen with people considered abrasive inside of organizations be like, that's not who I want to be. And I'm like, okay, great. Like, what does it mean for you to be different? Here's what I see. And how do you want to relate to that? So that's what I mean when I talk about harmony, because that's it, the, the interesting thing is when, when you get the priorities wrong and you put harmony at the top, eventually actually the harmony becomes a fake, it becomes like a faux harmony. It becomes the mask we all wear yeah. because everybody in the company actually knows it's really hard to work with Bob, except Bob. And nobody tells him, and now this isn't harmony, this is pretend. We're all just being diplomatic when we need to work with Bob or whatever. And then we go and we talk at the water cooler about how annoying it is to work with Bob. And oh gosh, are we going to have to work with that guy again? Oh man, that is not the prioritization of feedback. That's not the prioritization of, of being honest, of openness, transparency. Maybe those are other ways to, to frame it. And, uh, you know, as we tie up problems here, because, you know, there's, there's also the problem of uh, technique mm -hmm. in the sense that uh, for those who are, um, hesitant about feedback. There's a lot of talk about technique and proper technique. And I think for those who are very pro feedback, there is also a lot of proper uh, talk about technique and incentive and all this stuff. And I think that there's a lot of problems there too, 
Like, so once, I think once you even get on the journey where you're like, hey, we want to do this, this is important for our organization, or this is important to our group, how to do that well, um, and how to set that up to be successful is really tough yeah. and takes a lot of forethought. Um, yeah. And actually I just, I'm just going to kick in one last little problem. Um, and I think it's one we've discussed before it relates to incentives. Um, one of the problems that emerges around feedback is somebody tried to do it once and it didn't go well. Um, and they had a really bad experience. And so they decided after that, you know what, it's better to be safe than sorry. Um, let me just not give feedback anymore mm-hmm. and I'll just do my job in, in my space. Um, and sometimes that's like giving feedback to a leader. Sometimes that's a leader <laughs> to someone else that it could be a peer to a peer. It didn't go well. They didn't respond well. You know what? I'm just going to keep, I'm going to do me, let them do them. And if they're doing a terrible job and I don't like working with them, oh, well, I'll just suck it up. And I think that it is true to say that we are currently in a climate where if we're actually talking about, and I think we absolutely are, being direct with as much as we can uh, with each other about personal things, like how we show up to work, we're treading on more sensitive ground today than we probably have in a long time. Mm -hmm. So I think it's safe to say that it is for organizations that desire this or leaders who desire this culture, it's probably harder to set it up today than it has been. And again, I think one of the reasons why is because we, the cost has gone up. The risk factor has gone up. Like if you're really bad at giving feedback, like that, that could, that could end up blowing up in your face today a lot worse than it could have 10 years ago. Yeah. And so there's a reality there we have to understand and, and, and acknowledge and accept and, and actually take on as part of our responsibility, I think, if we want to go this route. But again, one of the reasons I think it, it's so daunting isn't necessarily just because the cost has gone up. I actually, and I think that that's the thing we're all focused on right now. But we, because we don't see the value in it, we don't understand the value in it. Back to our original assumption about the connection this has with product value. I mean, I, there's nothing more powerful than 10 people in a room holding each other accountable for being customer focused mm-hmm. and being able to call each other out mm-hmm. on aberrant behaviors and stuff like that. Like that is incredibly powerful. You have a self, you have an immune system. I've heard it referred to as an immune system. Right. You have a self-managing culture that stays true to its values. It's uh, And the feedback is the evergreen mechanism by which that happens. And so, that's so powerful. So I think, again, I think a problem, the last problem there I, I can think of is that we're, we, we don't always recognize that value. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Um, so yeah, let, so back to where you were headed, I think a second ago, let's talk about, okay, great. Well, how do you set this up? Like what, what are the like things you need to be in place? That's kind of our next section here is like, how do you architect a space where this stuff happens? And what are the things you need to think about? Yeah. So when so often when I've heard feedback discussed, there's a focus on feedback as a technique, both giving and receiving. And there's value in that. I think it often shortcuts what it means to be able to give feedback. And 
when I stopped and thought about it and was kind of going through what does it mean to be in an environment or to be working with one other person who I feel comfortable giving feedback to and hearing feedback from. Personal feedback. Again, when we say personal, it's about behaviors at work. It's not, you know, like, oh, tell me about, you know, your kid's life or, or something like that. That's not what I'm talking about. It's, it's how you're behaving, how you're showing up every day in your workplace. What does it mean for me to feel comfortable with somebody else giving me feedback and knowing that I could give them feedback? And I, I looked at this and was like, huh, it actually has a lot less to do with technique in some ways than what are the pre-existing conditions between those two people? Because, and I'll, I'll list one, I'll list a couple actually, if trust, let's say, and respect don't exist between me and the other party in either direction, feedback is going to really struggle. If I don't trust you, why should I listen to your feedback? If you don't respect me, like why should you listen to my feedback? I think that's a slippery slope too, honestly. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> like I asked myself, like the first thought I had when you said that was like, okay, well, what if your trust is eroding and you see that? Well, one of the best ways to get away from that would be to, to, do, to give better feedback or to have better feedback structures. Mm-hmm. So these things create a virtuous or vicious, vicious, virtuous or vicious loop, I think. Uh, and we've, I think we've seen examples of both. So you almost have to like grab the reins, right? As a leader. Exactly. Like if you see things spiraling out of control, you have to like grab the reins. It's not just about stopping the bad stuff or implementing good stuff. You have to like, you have to be like Hercules. You have to re-divert the river, you know? Yeah. Because I, I love that example. Trust is eroding. Great we can get really locked into all the stuff. And again, the technique and what's going on in the product and here's what blah, blah, blah. And instead, if we stop, if we're able to have the self-awareness to realize, I'm not sure I trust you anymore. I don't trust you as much as I used to. We can stop and go, what's going on there? And that may be feedback that if you can justify it, maybe even if you can't, if you just go to the person and say like, hey, I'm having trouble trusting you. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure exactly why. Something about how you're behaving, the speed with which you're moving or the maybe the lack of uh, other perspectives you're bringing in to the way that you're acting. Something's feeling off and I'm responding to that. That's very abstract feedback, but potentially very useful, especially if that person values the fact that trust and respect exists or did exist. So I think trust and respect, this is, this is like part one of the foundations that I would lay for, like, for what does it mean to have an environment where feedback can occur. You need trust and respect. Yeah. Authenticity is one that came up for me. Um, you, we've, we've used the word honesty in the past, but I was like, there's something off about the word honesty here. And I'm like, honesty is valuable, but I actually, Honesty to me feels like it has that connection to the idea of truth, whatever that is. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking authenticity is the thing that is, is actually feels like the critical recipe item here. Mm. And, and the reason why is I can think of a couple things. One, and this, this is interesting because we, again, we talk so much about tools and technique. A trap we fall into is tools and technique at the behest or not the behest at the expense of authenticity. authenticity. And I think that's where a lot of the tools and techniques fall apart. It's like I, we were just in a meeting a moment ago where one of the students that we were talking to about this said, and it's really, we need to teach people to give better feedback. And I had a very knee-jerk response to that. 
And it's not because she was wrong. She was spot on. Yeah. There's like a ton of growth potential for almost everybody in all spaces when it comes to giving feedback. Like the amount of people that have ever been formally educated on giving feedback is is nil and it's a critical skill set. However, my knee-jerk reaction to that was I would, I think if I had to choose between somebody being authentically brazen and like a bull in a china shop or inauthentically following the feedback format exactly, I would choose scenario number one 100% of the time. Yeah. And I think that that's worth noting. I mean, ideally you would have both. You would have technique, like good form and authenticity. But if you had to choose always choose authenticity. And uh, it brings me into, we, we, you and I have both seen situations where, again, when we're talking about the setup here, the emphasis has either been on the receiver or on the giver, but rarely ever is it on both. Interesting. And the relationship. And the relationship. Yeah. And, and it's interesting. Like I've, I've heard people who are like receiver focused, where it's like the receiver needs to be humble. The receiver needs to have resilience. They need to be able to hear something they don't want to hear. Mm-hmm. That's the organization we want is we want a bunch of hyper resilient people who have the grit to be able to just get slapped in the face with tough feedback constantly <laughs> and figure out how to grow from it. Like right. n- in no way, shape or form should there be any burden on the giver at all to, to deliver it in a way that's, compassionate or whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. And then I've, I've seen the opposite where it's like, we need to send everyone to six weeks of feedback technique boot camp so that everyone can be professional feedback givers so that first and foremost, we don't hurt anyone's feelings. And then after we ensure that no feelings are hurt, do we figure out a way to somehow authentically deliver the message? And I'm like, no, it has to be both. I think it has to be both. I think you have to attack that problem from both sides. And I think that this has been one of the big things that I see organizations screw up. You do like the, I will be honest because macro wise, I think we are actually more on in scenario B than we are in scenario A. Mm -hmm. Like, like I think we're right now we're all, we're in a treacherous environment. I think where again, and I'm, I'm not saying I'm not speaking to what reality is or isn't, but the general idea I get of the perception that people have is that there's more danger around giving bad feedback or the wrong feedback or feedback that pisses somebody off than there ever has been before. Yeah. And so we need to be careful actually that we don't end up in this lopsided environment where the burden is completely on the giver. Because again, just like if the burden is all on the receiver, in both scenarios, you lose. People stop giving feedback or yes. receiving feedback appropriately. You, know, you have you, to have both. You have to you have a supportive a, culture of both. When you say authenticity, I think of like, I've, I've told you this before, my, one of the most impactful pieces of feedback I ever received was a guy named Ron who told me in college, hey, Ben, you complain a lot. It was terribly given feedback. It was given at a bad time. <laughs> It, like he didn't give examples. There was no sitting down. <laughs> he and followed asking. none of the, like a grand yeah. total of zero of the feedback rules. <laughs> exactly. But hugely impactful. Yeah. And partially. Because it was real. He was 100% genuine. And, and he was being authentic. authentic. Yeah. Uh, I didn't think he was trying to hurt me. And I trusted him. 
Um, and I, in some ways, I appreciated the fact that he was willing to do that. Um, so, so I think, yeah, trust and respect, authenticity. Um, another couple for me, openness and humility. And I liked how you just called out, this isn't, when we're saying these, we're not saying that's on the person who's receiving or the person that's giving. It's both. Mm-hmm. And I really want to focus in on the idea of humility here. When you're receiving feedback, if your ego's in the way, you will not be able to hear or absorb what is being said to you. If you are giving feedback, if your ego is in the way, you are likely to become angry if they don't respond the way you want. Mm-hmm. In both cases, you have to suspend to some extent your assumption about what's right about the world. Recognize that you're giving somebody else feedback and you humbly provide it. You may be wrong. They may have good reasons for how they behave that you're giving them feedback around. You may not know. And you have to be open to that possibility. Simultaneously, when you're receiving it, you have to be, you might be like, but I had all these great justifications for why I behave that. No, it's time to be humble right now. Hear what this person has to say. So trust and respect, openness and humility, both sides for all of these. Next step for me, there's, there's this one, they don't link as well. So, but I'd say agency and alignment. You have to recognize that both parties have agency. You have to set up an environment where both parties have agency. And this ties into that idea that someone can grow. Someone can choose to grow. Or they may choose not to accept your feedback. They have the agency to do that. Just like you had the agency to give the feedback or not, they have the agency to accept the feedback or not. Now, there are some particular circumstances where if you're managing somebody and they're off the rails or like doing something really bad, you may say, hey, this isn't feedback. This is an expectation I'm now setting for you. That's not what we're talking about. I'm talking about I've observed someone behaving at work. It seems like it's not going well for them. I give them feedback. I have to recognize they may not accept my feedback. And that's Mm -hmm. okay. Because if I trust them, if I respect them, and if I'm able to come into this with humility, it's enough that they heard me and sought to understand yeah, and that gets more into the technique of listening, of giving and receiving. I want but, to talk. I want to talk one. Uh, actually, sorry, I, I didn't mean to cut you off. I wanted to talk a little bit about incentive here too, to sort of like glue the system together. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, again, we Ben and I. Uh, this is the bell that we ring on everything. Every single every single system we talk about, we always come back to incentive. Um, and and to avoid going into the macro, there, I'll give a couple specific examples little thing we used to ask each other, which was kind of like a cute thing, a cute sort of like wink, wink kind of thing. But when somebody would complain about an individual that wasn't there Mm -hmm. or in a forum that was not appropriate, that was not the most open and honest forum, a question you could ask that person is what did they say when you told them that? And it's when I say it's cute, it's cute because you sort of know that they didn't tell the person and that's kind of the point, but it reinforces the idea that they shouldn't be out there spreading this stuff if they haven't had a sit down with that person yet. What you're doing is as a leader, you're emphasizing the necessity and the value of the feedback yes. and, and the, and the intimate relationship and connection that's built when that person sits down with humility, with humility and all these other things you're talking you're about. You're valuing humility. You're valuing yeah. openness. You're valuing the relationship. Yeah. You're valuing yeah. those people 
not eroding trust in each other. Yeah, exactly. Like there's there's a there's a subtle nod to hey, that connection that you two will have, come what may, when you sit down and talk about this, is way more valuable than whatever self-focused itch you're scratching right now by complaining to us. Yeah. Right? This this catharsis may feel really good. It is probably not the most useful way to spend this energy and these thoughts. Exactly. Another thing, a little more uh, blunt of an instrument that I saw uh, early on at Riot actually was when two people had sort of demonstrated over a period of time that they would not talk and they would not form that connection. Um, that a leader could force connect them. Um, whether that be, I'm, you are going to talk now and I'm going to ensure that that happens and I'm going to leave, or you two are going to talk now and you have proven that you can't do that in a healthy way. So I'm going to facilitate you and guide you through that. And that was seen as a valuable amount of, that was a valuable investment on behalf of the leader to, to interject in that way, to again, recalibrate the culture and, and emphasize the value of that collaboration and that feedback. So again, those are a couple examples of where leaders can come in and set good behavioral incentives yeah. for what, and, and again, you're focusing it on the value. Remember why this is valuable. Remember why we do this. Yes, and that actually ties in really nicely to the alignment bit, right? So we acknowledge the agency in both parties to give or not give the feedback to hear and understand and then to act on or choose not to act on. Both parties have agency around feedback. Uh, and alignment is this idea, we're trying to go to the same place, roughly speaking. In some sense, even I would say, it's important to be aligned that we want our team our, to be the best it can be, which means we want our relationship to be the best it can be. And that means I want you to be the best you can be. Mm. This isn't, I'm not using feedback as a tool to prove my superiority. And we've seen that before too. Like, look how much, look how well I can use feedback to eviscerate you. Uh, and and look how look how open I'm being. And it's like, no, that's that's feedback covered in pride and a lack of wanting the best for the other. And this, so when I say alignment here, it's we want our teams to be successful, we want our relationship to be successful, we want each other to be successful. And that's why when you're talking about that manager getting in the room, it's like, this is what I want. This isn't about beating anybody down. Mm. We want this to work. That's why we're giving feedback. If we didn't care if this worked, we wouldn't give feedback. One of the things I really love about what you're saying right now is that, um, and actually now that I hear you say it, uh, it is an absolute necessity to have some level of alignment for any of this to work. Mm -hmm. Like, it, like some of these things could be debated that we've talked about here as whether or not they're hard requirements for an environment where feedback flows and is effective and useful. This one actually isn't. And it's interesting when you first brought it up, I didn't think of it in these terms, but like you and I have a vicious disagreement, hypothetically. We can use that alignment to peel back the layers one by one to get to a place where we have a platform where it's like, we both want to serve our customers. Yes. Okay, cool. We have somewhere to start now. Yeah. We can build our way back up. Then it's literally just a methodological conversation, right? Potentially. Yeah. But we have, we can anchor ourselves on that thing, that lower level that we agree on. This is like a common tactic that they'll tell you to use, right? If you have it, 
what seems like an irreconcilable difference with somebody. Just right. break it down to the level where you do agree and then build yourself back up and understand the nuance in your different approaches. Um, and, and it's interesting to note that I think one of the ways you know you're in a really bad spot with trust is when you don't, when you look at the other person and you don't have any confidence that you're aligned on any level. Yes. When you get to a point where you're like, I don't even believe that that person has good intentions anymore. Yes. Like, I don't even believe that at the most basic levels, they want the same things as I and do. By the That's way, when you're in a real bad spot. And, and again, if you're in that spot, to your point, there's no way feedback is going to solve. Well, and that's that's actually when you do not believe the other person has your best interests at heart, trust isn't present. Alignment yeah. isn't present. Um, humility isn't present. Agency may be absent in these situations. This is not the like these are the wrong places to go in and say, hey, go, you know, give that person. No, that is actually unsafe. And you and this is where there's nuance around this, this idea of feedback. These some number of these and, and hopefully most of these sh should be present if feedback is going to operate, if feedback culture is going to exist in a healthy way. If they don't and you're demanding that your people give each other feedback, you might literally just be like stabbing people all over the place inside of your organization because there isn't trust. There isn't alignment there. You know, if, if you take a bunch of people who are all competing with each other and tell them to give each other feedback, like that's not going to go well. You have you want them collaborating. You need them to be sharing goals. Hyper competitor environments and hyper competitive environments are not conducive to feedback. And it makes sense. I don't want you to succeed. And that, you know, that sounds brutal, but, but those exist. Yeah. If I give you information that causes you to learn and grow, it just makes me it yeah. harder for me to like, beat you. If I'm on one <laughs> sports team, you know, I don't go tell my secrets to the other sports teams out of some sense of like, oh, don't worry. I'm just giving you feedback. I trust you. It's like, no, I have my, my secrets. And some organizations actually are more like that. Mm -hmm. Don't ask them to give feedback. They won't. Or if they do, they'll actually pervert your system. So, so that, those are the ones I, I think the trust and respect, authenticity, openness and humility, agency, and alignment, alignment around what's important, what matters, where we're trying to go, who we're trying to become. Yeah. I think those things lay a foundation. If you are not working on those things or have an idea of what those things look like in your organization, focusing on feedback techniques, giving or receiving is going to not give you as much value as focusing on whatever cultural elements are absent. Yeah. Go there first. Yeah. So did you have any other foundational things? No, I think we're ready to start talking, getting into the technique a little bit, um, because I think that that's, it's interesting. I, there's a lot of powerful technique here, but, uh, yeah, again, I, I really want to just double down on what you just said and reinforce that, like, Technique is, I think, the cherry on top in a lot of respects to the culture, yeah. as as we feel with so many other things. So let's start yeah. talking about tools. Yeah. So okay, what's the best? I, mean, I just I kind of like here's here's my question for you. What's the best technique tip you've gotten okay. about receiving feedback? About receiving feedback. About receiving feedback. <sighs> you know. I think immediately I, I, I'm struggling to find a good example. I mean, I have stuff that I've come up with for myself, mm -hmm. but, but the way you ask that question is like sort of advice or tools. There's not a lot out there when it comes to how to receive actually. Mm. Um, and again, I think, um, to be honest, when I think about how to receive well, 
it a lot of it comes down to 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 mindfulness and mm-hmm. and and approach and uh emotional control and and things like this that are really hard actually <laughs> so i th- i actually think that the receiver has a harder job like to get the same mileage as the the giver mm-hmm. because because again you are the man or woman on the stage with the spotlight on you. And for most people, that's really hard. And for, and even harder than that, for most people to keep their wits about them and to show up as the person they want to be in that scenario, even harder. Yeah. Good. Like maybe you can survive it, you know, like five minutes, it's over five minutes, it's over five minutes, it's over. But like to, to, to like breeze through it with style and grace. Wow. Whole different thing. So like, well, I, I, like I, I could, I could give advice, but like, I don't know how good it would be. I don't know if it's like, I it's, but to your point, when we're talking about technique and tools, like I'm not aware of any, I was actually, you, you, by asking me that question, you made me immediately aware that like most of what I was going to go into was, was giver mm-hmm. side stuff. Cause it's all the models for feedback are like, well, how do you give feedback? But no one right. ever talks about well, how to receive it. It's funny too, how you said, um, the person who stands to gain from feedback is the receiver more than the giver. Yeah. And we tend to focus on the giver as the hard part because they're initiating a potential conflict. Yeah. But I actually agree with you. I think it's just as hard, if not much harder, to be the receiver because even though we all well, even if even if you want to be growth mindset, which not everybody does, we have those fixed mindset parts of ourselves that when someone else says, Hey, I've got some feedback for you. There's a part of us that goes, "Uh Oh, like, Oh man, someone's got feedback for me. And you know, maybe someone would say, well, that's bad technique. You shouldn't say you have feedback for somebody. I don't know. Whatever. When we hear that, when we feel like feedback is coming our way, we knee jerk into defensiveness. And I think the best thing I can think of, I don't know. I don't remember who told me this or if something just came up. I don't know if you are the receiver of feedback, one of the best things you can do is stay curious. Mm-hmm. Set yourself aside for a moment because you're going to have a lot of knee-jerk responses. Your brain has been constantly rationalizing your whole life since you were very small um, and, and trying to make sense of it. Someone has now said, hey, there's something you could do better. Or there's something you did poorly or whatever, however you interpret it. You have a bunch of reasons probably why you did the things you did. And like you said, there's an emotional restraint involved and a self-management involved. It almost reminds me of coaching. There's a self-management involved with going, how do I stay curious right now? Okay, this person's coming to me with something. It may not be valuable to me. There's nothing that says it has to be valuable to me long-term. But if I don't hear it out, I won't know. And maybe it is valuable. Mm -hmm. How do I stay curious about it? How do I seek to ask open questions about it? and understand it rather than become defensive or ask pointed questions or whatever. This is going to sound really weird, but I think one of the things, because a lot of what you're talking about are kind of like characteristics of slipping in, even if only moderately into kind of a fixed mindset. Yeah, for sure. One of the things I think that is a key part of the growth mindset is the concept of agency. And I feel like one of the things to remind yourself as you're receiving feedback 
especially if it's brutal and it feels personal. Because for me, one of the things that's the feedback that stings the most is the stuff that feels identity tied for me. Like if I've been really working my butt off on being more authentic and someone says, hey, Aaron, you did this thing and it felt inauthentic, Mm -hmm. that feedback is likely going to be like getting kicked in the nuts. Mm -hmm. Like, and I know what that feels like. And, but at the same time, I sort of understand that in my journey to become more authentic, I'm making this up here. Of course, I'm going to make mistakes. Of course, I'm going to slip. Reminding yourself that you have agency, like while that information is coming in and you're trying to stay curious and you're trying to receive that, remind yourself that you always have a choice. You have a choice about who you want to be. You have a choice about whether you agree with this feedback. You have a choice whether you want to act on this feedback. Mm -hmm. You have a choice when you want to act on this feedback. Like you, it's nothing but choice. Like this person is not robbing you of your agency. Correct. Like, and I think one of the characteristics of the fixed mindset is that when somebody is giving us feedback, we feel so vulnerable and our lizard brain tells us that we're being ego compromised, Mm -hmm. that we actually make the mistake of feeling like we're losing agency. Mm-hmm. When in reality, we're actually gaining agency. Mm-hmm. But if somebody's giving you information, even if it's information that is you think is wholly incorrect, just by offering you another perspective that you didn't have right now, they are increasing your ability to have agency. And this, and if I think if you can remind yourself of that, it can be a very, it can take a lot of the bite out of it and make it more empowering. And this, I think, is why the second thing I would say behind curiosity is gratitude. And sometimes people are like, always thank the other person for your feedback. And I think that is probably a good practice, but I'm less concerned about the like particular, that specific technique, more what you just said. Someone has taken time out of their day to give you feedback. Now, again, assuming you trust them, that you believe that they are humble about it, that they accept that you have agency, that you're trying to go to the same place, right? That there's openness. Um, and respect present. They just took time out of their day to try to help you. Be thankful. And it's not our default response. Mm-hmm. We don't want to be thankful because to be we feel like if we're thankful, then that acknowledges that they're right or something. No, just the fact that they spent time, it's in some sense, it's recognize that that speaks well of you because it's hard to give feedback to some people and this person risked giving feedback to you. You're doing something right. Yeah. And that's going to pay off in the long term. Yeah. And that also, if you're able to take that stance of curiosity and gratitude as it relates to feedback, one of the cool things that will come from that, people are going to give you more feedback. Mm -hmm. You'll get better at receiving it. You'll You'll learn to be less defensive. And guess what? Like I said earlier, even though in some ways it's the hardest to be the person receiving the feedback in, the, in some of these cases... It, you also stand to gain the most. You also stand to grow the most, to learn the most, to become better. And that's that's so cool. Someone was willing to do that. So so focus there because the alternative is you don't take that attitude of curiosity. You don't take that attitude of gratitude. You become defensive or prideful or closed-minded or whatever it is. And what you've done, to speak of incentives, when that happens as the receiver you have created a counter incentive to ever receiving feedback from that person or other people they talk to about that experience with you ever again. Mm-hmm. And eventually you can get to a world, and some people might actually think this is a good world. It is not. 
I would say categorically does not, where no one wants to give you feedback. And that's a really sad place to be. Yeah. Let's talk about the giver as we uh, close up here. Um, this one's a little bit easier. And again, I think I've just kind of realized that as we're talking, um, it almost feels trite a little bit like, but, uh, my, my favorite model is, um, what is called the impact feedback feed impact. And I'm struggling with my little like, uh, words today, impact feedback model. Um, and it comes from, uh, I'll give credit where it's due. It's uh, from the crucial conversations material. I think they have a one called crucial accountability, um, and crucial conversations and accountability. Uh, there's a lot of talk about how to give and receive feedback, mostly how to give, mm -hmm. but the impact feedback model is essentially a, um, a, if I remember correctly, like a three stage feedback model where the first one is your observation. Like I'm seeing these things and try to make them as factual and devoid of judgment mm -hmm. as possible. Like Ben, I've noticed you have been like later coming into the office in the last two weeks than you normally are. Um, the second thing is kind of telling them what you think the impact of that is. So as a result of that, I'm starting to worry that blah, or I'm starting to feel like blah, or the team, I think the team is starting to be concerned that blah. Like, so Ben, we, you know, we've noticed that you've been not coming into work late the last two weeks and the team is starting to, you know, become concerned, you know, maybe you're not as engaged as you were. And so you're, what's interesting is you're separating, and this is one of the things I think is so powerful about this model, you're separating the observation from your takeaway from it in a way that depersonalizes the feedback. Um, because you're, you're making it clear that you have translated the behavior as X, as opposed to saying, well, clearly you don't care. Mm -hmm. Like Ben, you don't, why don't you care about the team, Ben? Right. Or, or, or Ben, you're doing these things. And the only conclusion that one could reasonably draw is that you don't care. So you're leaving room for another narrative. That's not your own. You're just putting your narrative up there and saying, this is what our takeaway has been. This is the impact that this has had on us. It's been hard or, or, you know, again, or just focus on, it's been harder for us to get work done, you know? Right. And I think, I think that, that idea, like the way I've always thought about it is I like that the observation and then there's an, like, I feel this way or mm -hmm. this is how this has impacted me. Yeah. And that what you're trying to do to some extent is make it, I mean, the person can argue if you go straight into intent, hey, you did this because blah, then they can argue with, well, no, I didn't for that reason, or that's not right, or wait, you misunderstood. But if you say, you've done this, I have felt abandoned by you at work. Yeah. You're my fellow leader. I have felt abandoned. Yeah. The other person can say like, well, that's not what I want. It's, but at some level, if that's how you felt... That's how you felt. That's the impact it had. And, and I've, always, I've always heard, like, try to make that as personal as possible. This is how you've impacted me. And it's interesting to note that, again, um, there's one of the things I think we confuse a lot. And, I mean, a lot of this has been fresh for me in my, my relationships at home, mm -hmm. um, is who's accountable for what? The other person is accountable for what they do and how they feel. You are accountable for how you feel when you are giving feedback. 
you are so so in a lot of respects you are actually accountable for the impact that something has on you or responsible for that or how, however you want to uh, dice that up. And, and the reason that that matters is um, because a lot of the times I think the mistake we make is we have a feeling and we project responsibility for that feeling onto the other person. Mm-hmm. And this is where feedback breaks down a lot. So you come in and you say, hey, you're showing up late all the time and the team just like feels like you're not a, like a team player or the, like, why, like, why are you being shitty to us? Like, I remember when you did this on a team you used to be on, like, why are you doing that again? There's a, there's not a open door to a, a different narrative or B there's and B I should say, you have created a direct and, and joined connection between what that person does and the way that you feel that they cannot avoid now. Mm-hmm. Like you've said, you're doing this to us. Mm-hmm. And that is actually incorrect. And it's the way that you can communicate something that's most likely going to create a knee-jerk defensive reaction. Mm-hmm. Because they're in, regardless of how they behaved, you have no idea what their intention was. You have no idea if they were being negligent. You don't know these things. So, so you cannot attach your feelings to them staple those things to them, nail them to them as if it's their responsibility. And so that's, again, one of the things I think the impact model does is it, it, you take accountability for a lot of the impact. You're like, Hey, this is the impact this is having on us, or this is the impact this is having on me. And then finally you, you tack onto that. Here's the behavioral change I would like to see and get specific with that. And that, that model I found to be really effective. There are a lot of models I don't find effective. Like what's the, the shit sandwich one? Oh gosh. Yeah. That's like the worst thing I've ever heard. Like yeah. um, positive and yeah. negative. Talk then about positive again. By the way, remember when we talked about authenticity, that is not authentic. No. The other one is the uh, poop sandwich that comes out just being a all nice sandwich. Like, like one, one of the things I love is when I see somebody go in, they're like, okay, I'm going to give this person feedback. And like, as they sit down, you can see the reality of it coming over them and the sweat just glistening off their brow. And then all of a sudden they take the poop patty out at the, so they swap it out for some tasty uh, meat right at the last minute. And then like they come out and they're like, okay, I think that went well. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure that person had no idea that you had anything critical to say about them yeah. at all whatsoever. Yeah. No, you just well, complimented them for 10 minutes. Honestly, that one's <laughs> for me personally, I've been so diplomatic at times in my past and you've confronted me about that at times, just like with how I can over wordsmith something to the point of the other person being like, I don't, was that feedback? Were you, wait, was that, I have no idea. It seemed really nice. You were very articulate. And it's, it's all in this desire that, that harmony focused conflict avoidance thing that it's easy for me to fall into. I'm naturally a harmonizer. I'm naturally trying to like, I don't want to be, so can you just hear my feedback without hearing any of the negative parts of it? And um, by the way, I also want to say real quick, right now, now it just popped into my head. We are talking specifically about critique or negative feedback, feedback that's designed to be constructive to the other person. 
we're not talking about positive feedback. Positive feedback, a lot of these things might still apply. Yeah, um, I think but, actually uh, impact- But it's usually Im- much, a lot easier. Yeah, I actually think the impact feedback model will accentuate the positive effects of positive I, feedback. Yes. Um, because you're you're not just saying, hey, you did a thing and we all liked it. You're saying you did a thing and these are the positive outcomes and feelings it created for us. Mm-hmm. Like talk about making somebody's day. You know what I mean? Like they're like, that's such a great, you're, you're basically saying you had a meaning, you changed things meaningfully and positively for others around you. Wow. Like I can't imagine anything nicer to hear than that, you know? So, um, other than, Hey, I liked that thing you did. That was great. Like right. nothing wrong with that, but like, it doesn't, it doesn't focus on what really matters. I think. Yeah. So when it comes to the giver, Something I would say, um, when you are giving feedback, your openness is really important and that humility. You don't know, the other person is going to go through something. They have to do internal management. Recognize that. Recognize it's hard to hear tough feedback and be present with them. And by the way, I've had sometimes feedback go very poorly. Where I've given feedback, I think I did it fairly well or not and the other person didn't like it and sometimes they've even turned around and started giving me feedback they didn't like it and so instead they started talking about me it's actually a fairly common i think almost psychological response if someone gets too defensive they like turn it fascinatingly i've really grown from some of those conversations i've had people not accept my feedback and then turn around and tell me something And when they've told me something, I'm like, oh, okay, well, I guess you didn't want to hear what I had to say. That sucks. I'm not happy about that. But you're now giving me feedback. Maybe right now it's not coming from the best place because it seems to be reactive. But you know what? I still have something to learn from this. And if that happens, I encourage you to drop into the receiver perspective. um, Become curious. uh, Be grateful. And one of the things that will happen is You'll learn something, whether you want to use it or not, uh, is up to you. You can figure that out later. You have agency. And also, sometimes when I've done that and I've actually accepted their feedback in that sort of like they've, they've sort of, you know, I was, they felt like I was pointing a gun at them and they took the gun away from me and pointed at me instead. And I was like, I'm okay with you pointing a gun at me. An interesting thing that happened is it actually opened them up a bit. It made them more okay with what I was telling them because they realized like, oh, He's someone who's is trying to be humble. He doesn't. He's not going to get enough argument with me about this. Maybe he just wanted to help me, and it can take time for the other person to process that. So I would say just be aware of that, and don't expect every time you give someone feedback it to be a walk in the park just because you have good technique. The other thing I would say, all these techniques. One of the things that the reason I start with foundations when I talk about feedback and I start with trust and respect, authenticity, openness, humility, agency, and alignment. Are those things present? If they're not, feedback is more difficult. The reason I start with those is because if they are present, it's crazy what a giver can get away with with feedback and actually have it be received. Mm -hmm. You can, and I think you and I have had moments like this where those things are assumed, like deeply assumed. I want what's best for you. You want what's best for me. I recognize your agency over your life. You recognize my agency over mine. There is trust, there is respect, there is openness, and there is humility. 
and a recognition that the other person is bringing me something that is useful. And so sometimes our feedback has been like, stop, like, I feel bad right now. And that's it. That's all we got, right? And we trust the other person to to stop and go, that's more important Mm -hmm. than whatever we were talking about, whatever's going on. Like, I need to pause right here and I need to go like, okay, that let's talk about that. Mm -hmm. Like, I want to know why you feel bad. I want to know what's going on for you. This is where technique is helpful. Technique is often trying to overcome the absence of foundation. If the foundations are there, it's like a deep friendship in some sense. You can get away with a lot and still know that the other person's got your back. Yeah. And that's why, again, I would say focus on the culture, focus on setting the example, um, focus on giving good feedback with good technique, but also reinforcing those foundational ideas. That's how I think you succeed maximally with creating a healthy feedback culture. And I believe, uh, we believe, that will lead to you having a more successful team, a more successful product, a more successful organization over time. Yeah. One more tool, I figure I'll throw it out there because it's one we used and liked a lot um, because I actually think that that's a great place to close up here is uh, if you have a team and you want to build some of this into the culture while focusing on improving the tools. Um, it's sort of a meta tool more than it is about like mechanically, how do you give or receive feedback in the moment? But um, we used to get our whole development management team together. Um, and uh, actually, I think that this um, was a, uh, a Lance Stites in, uh, inspired tool from the live services group at Riot. Um, but uh, the general idea of it was that you would sit down at a table and one person would be in the hot seat and that person was not allowed to talk and everyone else in the room would sort of summarily go through and provide feedback, positive, critical, all of it. And uh, it is one of those things where it'll show you very quickly where you're at as far as trust and openness. And it will also help you build that if you don't have that as much as you want and you want more of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so we got better at it over time. And one of the ways we got better at it was realizing that we could be more open than I think we thought we could be the first time or two. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think not being able to respond as the person in the hot speed, uh, seat teaches you some of the skills, the, the, the emotional control skills we talked about when uh, we were talking about what it's like to be the receiver. Mm-hmm. And so I think you're, you're kind of practicing all of this stuff across the board. Um, and, uh, of course the receiver can take notes. I found that really helpful, especially yeah. take, taking notes between sessions and seeing the patterns or pattern breakages. And so that's something for a group that you could definitely try as well. But, um, aside from that, I think this is a great opportunity to close this off. Um, thanks for being with us again today. This is a topic that's really close to our hearts. And if you have any feedback, <laughs> so meta, please hit us up on social media. We would love to get uh, a conversation going about this on LinkedIn or Twitter or elsewhere. Uh, Once again, this is the Valarin Perspective, and thank you for joining us. This has been the Valarin Perspective. Thanks again for listening. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Send us an email sometime at perspectives at valarinconsulting.com or follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Valarin Inc.